Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We want to start by personally inviting you to church this Sunday. We have a single combined service, which is at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Of course, we'd love to see you there. We do have a live stream available as well, though, at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And just so you know, we also have Korean and Japanese translation, which is available at that 10.30 a.m. service. Let's begin today's program by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. Good to be with you this week and looking forward to our time together with our church family on Sunday. This is an important week for us as a ministry. It's sort of the launch pad, the launch zone for a lot of things that are happening in the fall. Our academy kicks off next week. The Bible college students that we have, we have 67 Bible college students, including 19 new first-year freshmen that are here. And their orientation starts this week with their classes starting next week. In addition to that, just a lot of ministries that are beginning again or ramping up again after a long time of, you know, a lot of social distance and paring down of some of the things that we've been doing. So it's an exciting time. Our staff is in the middle of a few days of orientation, sort of something that we do annually, making sure that we've got our hearts uh, centered together in unity and following after God. And uh, this week, we have the privilege of having a special guest with us. I have him in studio with us today, but he's been here speaking to our staff for the orientation week. And he's also going to have the opportunity to, to preach and share God's word with our church family this Sunday. And we'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I'm really thankful to have a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jim Bennett, with us. So first of all, welcome, Jim. Welcome back to Guam. You've been here a few times. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be with you. Jim is currently the Associate Director of the Center for Religious Freedom Education that's connected with the Religious Freedom Institute, and his offices are in Washington, D.C. Uh, again, I'll ask, you, I'll ask Jim about some of that in a minute, but uh, let's back up you know, a ways, Jim. We have known each other for a long time, in fact, since high school. I'm a couple years older than you, but it's been a few years. It certainly has, and a lot of good memories from that. And we look just the same as we did 30 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jim and I uh, went to the same high school for, I think, about one year, and then we competed together on a basketball team in college. There's some memories about that. I was a senior uh, when he was a freshman, and um, so and our families have been connected uh, for a long time, and so it's it's great to have him here for that reason. Um, Jim, uh, t tell us a little bit about your family. First of all, your wife, Tammy, you got some kids. and We do. And of course, I'm here alone and missing them. So enjoying the opportunity just to, to bring them up. My wife, Tammy, and I have been married uh, 30 years here in just a few months. And uh, God has blessed us with four children. The oldest is uh, 24. The youngest is 17. The other two are in between. Uh, God has taken each member of our family through both challenges as well as uh, some blessings. And so each of them has their own testimony of faith. Uh, and, and real important in our life right now too, of course, is we're going to be uh, grandparents in just a couple of months. And from what I understand, it's a ride well worth taking. Yeah, it is. Uh, faith and I have a little bit of experience with that, but I mean, it's okay for us, but it's hard to believe that you're going to be a grandfather. I'm not sure how all that comes together, how that happens, but um, I guess that's the 
that's the path of life. So it is going to be exciting days for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're grateful. And anytime God blesses a family with a new life to, uh, to mold and to impact and to share, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah. Let me begin uh, kind of this conversation by uh, by asking you about some life burdens. You've got a pretty extensive background. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, could you tell some of the things that have sort of formed your thinking about life and particularly about how God has used those things to direct your path? You know, I remember being in high school and, and all of us go through kind of processing and contemplating not only what we want to do, but more importantly, what God has made us to do. Right. Uh, and I remember being a high school student and, and I just wanted to speak. Uh, that, and that, in my mind, my small mind, that meant a career in law or politics. I wasn't really sure. But through the circumstances of life, God uh, took me to a little small Bible college in Wisconsin and, and pre-law and um, poli-sci you know, poli were not options, but education mm -hmm. was. And that was kind of the, the best option that was there. So I guess by default, uh, in my mind, but of course, God had all this planned uh, all along. I ended up as an education major and then eventually just fell in love with teaching. Uh, to this day, the majority of what I do professionally involves teaching and learning. And uh, what a privilege it is to be involved, certainly in the life of a, a child, a young formative life, but even adult learners and others. And uh, it's something that God has directed my path. each step of the way. And every time I thought I was sort of straying outside that path a little bit, um, in a professional capacity, he's always kind of brought me back in. And I don't think it's, I've not been running from him per se, but it seemed like he was directing otherwise. And then he just keeps taking me back to the gift that, that he's, he's given each of us. Mm -hmm. uh, I just enjoyed spending some time with the HPB students here just a little bit ago and was able to challenge them from uh, the, the question God asked Moses back in the book of Exodus when Moses offered all these excuses as to why he could not be the leader God was calling him to be. And finally, God had had enough, and he asked Moses a simple question. He said, well, Moses, what, what's that in your hand? Mm. And uh, Moses, of course, confessed, recognized it was simply a staff. It was a stick that he used to do his shepherd duties. And God asked him another simple question. Okay, are you willing to throw it down? Just, just throw it down. And probably many of our listeners remember that story well. It becomes a serpent. God asked him to pick it back up. But that stick... That staff goes with Moses and the children of Israel, you know, through, crosses the sea, throughout the wilderness, um, and, and all began with Moses being willing to simply surrender to God what he had. He felt inadequate. He felt ill-prepared to lead. And, and God said, well, it's really going to be me anyway. So all I need you to do is surrender what you have, and then I'll do the rest. And I feel like in my professional life, I've not really had much to offer oftentimes feel insecure or insecure, excuse me, or ill-prepared to do things. But God has simply said, well, what meager things I've given to you, if you'll just throw it down, then I'll take it and do something with it. And uh, praise the Lord for 30 years now, it's it's been in a classroom or working with teachers, uh, that whole teaching learning process. Yeah, well, there's a, you know, God has given you a, a, you know, pretty extensive background. I think that testimony, Jim, is encouraging. It's just a humble story of saying, I, you know, just trying to do what God wants. But God's brought you to some unique places. In fact, I was just, uh, you know, talking with our staff a, a little bit about it because I think it helps some with understanding, 
you know, where, where you come from. You did spend quite a few years teaching uh, in, uh, in a school, in a Bible college. Um, in fact, uh, you know, titles as vice president for global opportunities, vice president for academic affairs, dean of the School of Education. I'm familiar with your teaching career. And one of the things I know about that is um, of all of the graduates that I know from that school, from a school in Wisconsin that you talked about, of all the graduates in there, I'm sure that it, uh, you are the name that comes up most as the favorite teacher of more alumni. You really have had an influence, you know, pretty dramatically on students over the years, uh, just in uh, your love for learning and I think how that was uh, developed uh, among uh, others. But, you know, from that, uh, you were involved in uh, a coordinator for Assembly, Summer English uh, language institute in some closed access countries here in Asia, uh, director of recruiting and mobilization for English uh, teachers for Asia, uh, director of educational programs for the Green Tree Global. Um, and so just a, a lot of different things uh, that have been a part of that director for global learning programs at, at uh, the EDGE Institute. You taught, or actually not uh, you taught too, but you're director of global education at Clemson University. So, I mean, it's pretty varied. What are the things that tie all that stuff together kind of in your heart and maybe in some of the gifts and burdens that you have? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, you mentioned that the classroom and teaching, I, one of the first things I try to do at the beginning of each new course was thank the students for being there because I knew I was about to learn from them. Mm. Uh, the whole teaching learning process is not a one-way street. It's two ways. And I, I sometimes feel like I learned more from my students than they probably did from me, you know, in classes over the years from their perspectives, the stories they shared, the gifts that they had, and they could, you know, benefit the class and me as well. So I'm grateful anytime I get to stand before a group of individuals, whether it's in a, a pulpit, a lectern, or wherever, because I know God's about to teach me something. I think one of the things that is was a bit of an unanticipated path. Uh, I fell in love with history, you know, the discipline right. of history and yeah. the social studies. And I remember over the years, um, for instance, at, at the college there at Northland in Wisconsin, we didn't have a study abroad department when I first started. And I, I thought, well, what, what self-respecting history department <laughs> doesn't have a study abroad program? So we started study tours and things. And I remember one time, I think we were in Italy, well, I know we were in Italy because I remember exactly where I was in the Colosseum when this thought occurred to me. It was probably the sixth or seventh time I've been walking through the Colosseum because when you go to these places, of course, it's everybody else's first time. And so they're excited. And even though you've been there a lot, uh, you want to help them share it. And But I remember I, I would, was noticing that I wasn't seeing the historical artifacts. I wasn't seeing these great monumental structures. I was just starting to see more of Italian people. Mm-hmm. And every time I kept taking these, these history trips, and I still love history, I still love study abroad, but God kept deepening my heart of burden for people, and particularly cross-cultural ministry. That led to uh, us starting the, the Global Opportunities Department, and it really eventually led to three years of full-time mission work. Then it led back to a place like Clemson University, being involved in international studies and global engagement. Uh, you, you know, you got a large R1 public land grant university. It was a very different atmosphere, right. obviously, than a small Bible college. But again, one of the things that uh, ties it all together in answering your question is that God just kept deepening that burden for people, and particularly in a cross-cultural context. 
Uh, and so I just tried to figure out what was in my hand and threw it down. And then he just kept opening doors and making relationships. Uh, I, I've been privileged to have interacted with some just some amazing people over the years, men and women uh, who have sacrificed for Christ, who have been imprisoned and tortured for their faith, people to this day who are still in peril because of their witness and their testimony. And that has also been, you know, I talked about teaching from, I mean, learning from students. Mm -hmm. uh, but you talk about just spending time with men and women who, who God has taken through the fires and he can't do anything but humble you and stretch you. And, uh, and I've, I'm very grateful for all of those opportunities to do that. Yeah, the body of Christ and his church uh, around the globe, once you have opportunities to be, uh, you know, in the, in the small dwelling places that they're at, in the little Bible studies, in the open air church settings, and realize many of the sacrifices that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ are making all around the world, it changes you. Um, it changes your burdens. It changes your perspectives. And life isn't the same after that. And you're reminded again of the call that we have as believers and the globe. Actually, a lot of the the uh, definitions of the, of the positions you've held are connected in some way with global. A lot of global word in there. Um, but the call that we have as believers to be the light around the world, not in not only in the places that are most comfortable, but in some of the dark, uh, dark as far as just no light there or very little light. It's an awesome, it's an awesome story. Yeah, and I'm also actually grateful for all those travels that it has protected me, I think over the years from the danger we all face of imposing our own cultural ideas right. on yeah. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether in the form of ministry or personal devotion. And again, it's it's been very affirmational, if you will, to see how God works in diverse places through diverse people, but always in the unity of the body. And uh, it's that's been a very rewarding experience as well. You spent quite a bit of time in Micronesia. Um, you have a very special place in your heart, kind of maybe a premier burden. I don't know how, you, how you'd how you want to say that. What was your initial connections out here? And I know that continued through your time at Clemson. It continues today. How did all that come together? That's a great question. And I wish I could you know, <laughs> efficiently articulate um, you know, the, the three steps to this burden. It really was just something that grew organically. And again, I think that's, I suppose that's how God works more often than not in directing our paths and shaping us into who we are meant to be. You know, you just take the next step in your journey. And uh, I, I guess to answer your question, we had a number of students from Micronesia and here in Guam um, at, at the Bible College, the, the Christian University there in Wisconsin, and just really fell in love with their their demeanor, their approach to life, um, you know, just really had that connection. And then later on, <clears throat> through some some good friends and people who are well-connected out here, were able to make some trips, uh, came here to Harvest. I think it's got to be almost 20 years ago now, mm. and and you know worked with students again and met more people. When I arrived at Clemson University, one of the things I did there was uh, youth leadership programs, and uh, I'm grateful to to them and the individuals there in that department. I said, listen, if I come, 
um, you know, I'm bringing this Micronesian connection with me. I'd really love to keep doing these programs. To their credit, they said, go for it, you know, and and so we had the, the privilege of bringing um, hundreds of students, primarily from FSM, um, but we had lots of Chuk. Chuk was the, the first state to send students, and then they also came from the, some of the other states. They would come for a couple weeks to uh, South Carolina and the university, and we would run them off to hospitals and the International uh, Center for Automotive Research, and we did all these things with them. I think my burden grew not only just missionally, but it was seeing this group of young people who are so capable and had those things in their hands, they were gifted, but oftentimes they didn't have the resources or the opportunities right. to take advantage of those things. And so God's just given me a burden to, to play a very small role. I'm sure it's, in fact, maybe I'm not playing any significant role at all. I don't know. But it is a burden to try to get some of those resources, some of those opportunities into their hands to assist the, the departments of education, to build schools, build capacity. And that burden just continues to grow, uh, even though I'm no longer at Clemson. I've talked to other universities from Bob Jones University, also in South Carolina, and uh, other institutes I'm connected with to see if we can keep finding opportunities uh, for these young people. Yeah, and part of that, uh, even as I've talked with you over the last few days, and you know, we met in South Carolina a little bit ago, but. Um, you know, a key part of that for you, you know, into sort of your your wheelhouse is the idea that education is foundational for any type of change and growth, right? And so, as you see the needs, and I mean, when you're talking about resources, you're really talking about um, how critical it is that FSM residents have opportunities to stretch and grow educationally. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you talk about the whole person and the, and the growth of an individual, and it's it's the old routine of the you know the head, heart, and hands, and education can play a role in all of those. And uh, so, you to provide opportunities for students to be spiritually challenged, to grow, the economic development. I mean, part of our mission as the body of Christ. I mean, we, we are called to proclaim truth. To be sure, that's the essence of the Great Commission. But, you know, the scriptures are very clear that we also are people of compassion. We are people of service. Uh, so, you know, in a very real sense for the believer to be concerned about economic development and providing jobs and family support, uh, you know, those are very important and vital things. And education can play a role in all of those. So it's not just as simple is making sure that there's Wi-Fi and devices and good curriculum, although that's a part of it. But it's making sure that there's an entire educational system that can support all of those things. And uh, and we've seen some success and we've, we've had some misses, but we're going to keep swinging and hopefully we'll connect more than we miss. That burden has shown even here now, we, as we're walking up, you were just coming out of teaching a session with our college students, HPBC. So this connection of your love for teaching, your love for... Uh, Micronesia and the burden God's given you in that. It's been fun to see that kind of lived out here in a small place, even as you had a chance to interact with those students. Yeah. As I told you on the walk over, I, I could spend all day with them. It's just uh, the the energy and um, the possibilities mm -hmm. that are there, the untapped potential that you can just almost feel walk into a room like that. Um, I just enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, it's awesome. We're glad that you're here. Center for Religious Freedom. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a key part of uh, what God has you doing right now. 
Yeah, so the Religious Freedom Institute is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization located in the heart of uh, Washington, D.C. And, and the work of RFI uh, is grounded in the belief that religious freedom is a fundamental human right, uh, without which things like equality and democracy and social justice cannot exist. Um, there's an abundance of evidence that religious freedom powerfully contributes to the common good, which is to say that uh, individual and community flourishing cannot happen without it. So in this sense, religious freedom is really important for both religious and non-religious people. And so it is relatively easy to illustrate how religious freedom is a deterrent to authoritarianism, um, a key to the preservation of other freedoms that we cherish, and all these things are sort of wrapped up in the mission and core values uh, there at RFI. Uh, we work with both the United States and foreign governments to protect this fundamental right, but we also work out in the culture to promote it. Um, as such, we provide um, curricular resources for K-12 schools free of charge, uh, programs and resources to colleges and universities, um, and a host of other training programs, um, an example of which would be our work with the U.S. military chaplains um, at the U.S. European Command, the Indo-Pacific Command, and uh, the chief of the chaplain's office there at the Pentagon. So um, lots going on there, but if you're ever in D.C., stop by and visit. <clears throat> and in the meantime, check us out at uh, RFI.org. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Well, we're thankful for the gifts that God's given you and the burdens, the experiences, really, that have allowed you to have a voice of influence, uh, not just across uh, you know, the church world, but a voice of influence in our nation. We're thankful for that. And we've really been thankful for your time here with our staff, with our church. Could you give us just a minute on uh, your message on Sunday? You're going to be preaching at the 1030 service uh, here at Harvest. Uh, what's the topic? What's the text? So, yeah, on Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 14. It's one of the last uh, moments the Lord spends with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And in particular, we're going to really focus on a couple of questions that his disciples asked and the answer that he gave, and then we'll explore its relevance for today. Awesome. We're looking forward to it too. Thanks, Jim, for being here. It's been good to connect uh, again with you. Thanks for your ministry with, uh, our, with our church and with our staff here. Always enjoy being here and thank you for the time. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Again, Harvest Baptist Church does have a single combined service this Sunday morning that we'd love to have you attend, 10.30 a.m. We hope you can join us. We do have the service available via live stream as well. That's at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. If you attend Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., we also have Japanese and Korean translation available. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.